In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Okay, so do you want to live a holy life? Okay, when you say holy, what do you exactly mean by that? Are you defining it as, like, perfect, like, pure, like, awe-inspiring? <laughs> there was a lot of lights in there, so I think just <laughs> just like me, kind of like me. All right, why are you rolling your eyes? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so seriously, as much as we all want to be holy, so many times the, just the word itself in holiness seems so far-fetched. It seems so holy. And so unattainable and kind of like a religious word, but yet it is truly a word that we need to strive for. And that is actually our new resolution because we are going to be talking this month of all things holy. And uh, it goes back to um, in First Peter one sixteen, God says, be holy for I am holy. And also talking about in Romans 12.1 that what does holiness look like? And it's basically offering yourself, sacrificing yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And even that is kind of fr- frightening because you go, what does that mean to offer yourself as a living sacrifice? Well, and sometimes in the, and I, well, I think in our culture, a lot of times the word holy is not really a popular hip word. People are not striving for holiness. And yet it's like redefining it where holiness, you know, really holiness is allowing God's spirit to change the way we think and live. But we also, we can't live holy by ourselves. We need to be in relationship with others and in relationship with God. And that's why we are talking with our special guest, best-selling author, William Paul Young, about this very thing, this very day. Well, before we get too far into our show, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan. The, the holy of holies. <laughs> You're still rolling your eyes. Okay. rolling my eyes. Where we rally to the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we'll have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriended.com. And don't forget, you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, let's go back to our original question for the day, which was, do you want to live a holy life? Well, for the next few weeks that like we just talked about that Jan is going to be our theme of holiness, including holy sexuality, which you know I'm going to be very excited to... I am rolling my eyes. <laughs> well, if you read The Shack, the number one New York Times bestseller novel, and loved it, you will also love our guest, William Paul Young's latest novel called Crossroads. And and carry you into some place you have never been before. And although Paul says if you read The Shack and if you didn't like it, there's a good chance you won't like this one either. <laughs> but now that as our listeners, you are going to love it. And I can personally say that it does live up to the reputation of The Shack. 
so was not disappointed. In fact, it was really one of those ones you can want to keep turning the pages and you can't predict it. And it takes you inside of a world that really makes you think and you kind of have to read it slowly. But we just want to welcome Paul just to our show and just excited to have him join us today. Well, it's so great to be with you. Absolutely. I always have fun with you gals. <laughs> well, well, we understand you are actually going into an interview with Glenn Beck uh, just right after this show. So we are so honored that we get you first. And hopefully, well, you know, you got you got to start with the best and then work your way from there. You know, <laughs> this Paul, this is why we love you. Okay, these these things. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, we have just been so excited just to have you back, and you've really become a, a good friend of ours just over the the course of time and reading, you know, your books. And every time we have you on the show, you always just say things that. Sometimes they sting in a good way because they really make us think. And you, you, you call through really life and, and just differently. And we, we love that. the challenge of it all. Well, um, first of all, we, are, we do want to jump in. But um, your first book, Paul, was for your children. And we always laugh that you only made 15 copies. And obviously, you, ha- you had to go back to the, the printing press and do a, do a few more. A few you- million more. <laughs> but how is the process of writing your, your newest book, Crossroads, um, how is that different from writing The Shadow? It wasn't, it wasn't really any different. And in the sense that, you know, two things you need to understand about my relationship with The Shack. And one is the first 15 copies did everything I ever wanted that book to do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have an agenda for it at all. Like I said, I hadn't even planned on publishing it. So... Uh, the, the second thing is that because of that, it didn't give me anything. That is in terms of identity or worth or value or significance or security. All those kinds of things were in place before I wrote it. And so when I came to write Crossroads, it's not asking, it's not offering me anything either. I've already got what matters to me. And um, so Crossroads was just a more exploration. And I write to explore. I don't write with an agenda. I'm not trying to take people from point A and get them somewhere else. You know, there's other writers that do that kind of stuff, and I'm just not one of them. I'd rather have a bunch of different questions and go, okay, so what happens if this, or why would we think this about God or about ourselves or whatever? And um, so, um, it, you know, it was like stepping in a river. I, I tell people it's as close to being pregnant as a man I think will ever get. <laughs> and, and, you know, because you get a seed inside an idea. And I've always been a writer, so it's not like I'm, I'm doing something that I wasn't already doing. It's just that I didn't think that my audience was bigger than, you know, 15 people. And uh, so that's the, that's the difference. But, um, you know, you get, a, you get an idea, and it begins to grow inside, and you play with it, and it begins to give, make you sick in the morning. And, <laughs> that uh, you know, it it asks for attention and then demands attention, and then it's time. So when I sat down to write Crossroads, it was uh, near the end of January of 2012, so a year ago, and um, and I had the first full draft done in four months. So it really was like stepping in a river. Wow. I love how you talked about it demands attention because um, I, I'm a wannabe writer that can never really um, have the discipline to sit down and, and put my thoughts together that way. But 
when, when you write, you are able to, like you said, it demands attention. You're able to ask those questions. And I know even recently, just in the last couple of weeks, Lisa and I have had um, several conversations with uh, people who um, don't believe or they're not Christ followers. And it's, it's demanding our attention. And you, you want to, I guess you just look at it and you go, okay, in this, this whole topic of holiness, of wanting to um, to transform, you have to renew the way that you think. And so many times as we're having conversations, what used to work a few years ago in telling someone about Christ doesn't necessarily work the same way now with, with this next generation. And have you noticed that in your writing? Um, yes and no. Yes, in the sense that um, writers in this generation, I mean, we're, we're such a image-re-driven culture, image-driven culture. And so we're very used to images as opposed to, you know, you read Dostoevsky or Tolstoy or, or Dickens even, and, and there's just so much detail that, that is kind of like, well, that's just part of the set, you know, mm-hmm. and in terms of what we're used to. So there's a different pacing involved. Uh, I just happen to be a very visual writer, which helps a lot in terms of communicating to across the board in, in the generations. And um, and I think that we're very much attuned to pictures and images, and it gives us more space to think for ourselves, actually. Mm-hmm. And young people want that. They, they want to know that we have enough respect for them that they can hear for themselves. So it, it brings a different amount or a different kind of... Um, discipline in that sense to to the writing process they don't want agenda they don't they don't want to be told what to think and how to think it mm-hmm. and uh, they want some space to be made so that they can hear for themselves and if it makes sense it makes sense or and sadly on the other end is that they're so tired of the ambiguity of moral relativism that they just want somebody to tell them what to think mm-hmm. everything to think and so they begin to they begin to do one of two things, either move in an artistic, positive sense towards becoming people who are involved in change and, and real stuff, or they begin to look for leaders who are almost fascist, people who will tell them exactly when to think, when to breathe, when to believe what about what. And, uh, and that's because it's, there's, a, there's kind of a relief in that. I don't have to think for myself. It's been so ambiguous. Finally, somebody's telling me what's real and... Um, um, I'm just going to cave into that. So we've got these kind of two streams, major streams that are flowing in different directions right now. Well, okay, we we have just uh, under under two minutes, so we have to take a break. It always goes by way too fast. But a couple things that you've said that I just so appreciate about you is just um, – the, the humbleness, like when you said, I didn't have an agenda. I first wrote for 15 people, and I would have been okay with 15 people. And I know a lot of people, if they would have had an unexpected bestseller like you did with 18 million copies of The Shack that just totally took the publishing world by surprise and people, and I'm sure you, and then you write your second novel. I love that you can say, I, just, I don't have any expectations, and it almost creates where you're free to write, but that is so not common because we're living in, in a, a culture and society where it is all about ambition and agendas, and I have to meet quotas, and there's a part to that where you do, and I know like for publishers, they want to know that you can sell so many books, but at the same time, we're getting some things out of balance, and I just love where you're like, I'm okay with 15 people reading it. 
Um, that is very refreshing <laughs> to hear. And I kind of want to talk about that a little more. We, we have to take a break, like I said, in a minute. How do you get to that place in less than a minute? How can you get to that place where people are Well, just, I, for one of the things, here, here's a question for you. Are my expectations and, and drive and need for success, for identity, for worth, are they more important to me than whatever God's purposes are? That's the question. And that's a great question and love questions because questions take you down a journey and make you think. And that is a that is a great question. I think that's one that we all need to wrestle with on some some level. And we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break here. And when we come back, let's talk about that a little more. You're listening to our interview with William Paul Young, author of the new book Crossroads. We're gonna take a break and we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. To start rocking that woo-hoo that only you do? Because Lisa Stedman is on a mission. She will dare you, challenge you, enlighten you, provoke and empower you to bring out that inner woo-hoo. Lisa is an internationally acclaimed best-selling author. She is a breakup expert, a brand consultant, CEO of Woohoo Inc. and the Woohoo Radio Network. She will show you how to take your boo-hoo and turn it into woo-hoo. Get rebellious. And get real. Get your dreams off the back burner. Get inspired and motivated to take action. Start rocking that woohoo that only you do in love, life, and business. She is going to be here for you every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, thank you for taking your time today to enter our world of holy dialogue. As author Paul Young says, whether this will cause you to laugh cry or throw something across the room. We end up together in conversation. And Paul, I know we were just talking to you on the commercial break and you love the topic holy and you wanted to make sure you you get a few of your um, insights and little tips in there about holiness. So tell us a little bit about why that's so intriguing to you. Well, let's before we do that, let's go back to what we ended up with before the break. And 
And uh, it was a comment about does our understanding or expectation of success and those kinds of things matter more to us than whatever the purposes of God are? And that's really, really an important question. The more you think about it, the more important that question will become. Because what if God's purposes do not have in them any definition of success for me mm-hmm. in terms of how the world gives it? You know, what if God comes to me and says, Paul, you know, um, uh, you know, you can come on my adventure or I'll come on yours because I, I won't leave you. But if I'm coming on your adventure, I'm not doing anything, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and do we have such a relationship such that I could put you in the middle of something I want to destroy and you won't take it personally? Wow. Right? Okay. See, because we don't know what the purposes of God are. We're just always assuming what they are based on how we've been conditioned to view success and purpose. Mm-hmm. So we look at, you know, purposes being involved with uh, our financial security or uh, our success at ministry or, I mean, we've got all these worldly definitions of success where God goes to Jeremiah and says, hey, I've, I've got this great purpose for you. Everything you say, nobody is going to believe it. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. you spend your whole life, you're going to say stuff, and nobody is going to believe you. You are going to be an absolute failure. How about Jesus? The purpose is you're going to end up with virtually no one believing anything that you've said and hanging on a cross. Mm-hmm. You know? So how do we understand purpose? Do we understand it at, at the level of which that which will make me feel better about myself, give me identity, worth, value, significance, security, meaning, purpose, you know? Or are we open to the fact that we don't know? And so when I when I wrote Crossroads, I'm going just as much, you know, Lord, if this means I fall flat on my face in terms of how the world looks at it, you have a purpose in that, and I'm okay with that. I want to be on your adventure, not on mine. Hmm. And that's okay. a huge difference. And there's a huge difference. So, okay, so back into that, because lo- this is so refreshing, because in our culture, and especially in the Christian Christian world, it is you're seeing it be more about numbers, and I have to produce, and I have to do all this, and it's easy to get caught up in that whirlwind. How do we how do we take a step back and get this message out? And really, and it, and like Patty and I have a heartbeat for women, and women just we struggle with you know self esteem and feeling like we belong and that we're enough. You know, it's like I'm never enough, and that guilt thing. How do how do you, how would you instruct our listeners? How do you get to that place of being content and going? God, whatever your journey looks like, like you said, he says to Jeremiah, join me. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to like you or believe you, but you still have a purpose in that. So how would you back into that to tell people, how do you get to that place of, I'm okay with that? There's only, there's only one way to do it. And that is to learn, which implies process, learn how to trust. And you learn how to trust that God is good is especially fond of you, is for you all the time. So that you don't see things with the eyes that everybody else sees things. You always sense the embrace of relentless affection. And it also means that you stop future tripping. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. You stay inside the grace of one day. You become the child. You are the child who doesn't have to know what's going to happen tomorrow because the child is in a relationship with someone who does. And not only who does, 
but they're the center of this person's affection. Well, then anything's a possibility. And if the person gives you the pink slip or says, you know, we've decided that your skills are not needed here any longer, you see that as, ah, well, I'm glad I didn't have to know about this. But this means that there is a whole new adventure that's coming because there is a person who is bigger. And this is sort of my theme for this year. Life is bigger than death. Mm. And so many things that we consider death are usually the death of our own imagination, our own idea of success or value or being enough or any of that kind of stuff. And those things have to die at some point because they're not even real. And so there are lies that are fully embedded. And I know that women in this culture, they take the biggest hit. The lies are predominantly aimed at them. And that is their identity and their worth and their value. And any form of legalism always has the question of, uh, is, it, is it enough? And the answer in any form of legalism is no. Mm-hmm. There has to be more. And enough is actually the opposite of more. So there is, uh, there is, it's a journey, and we're not talking about a quick fix here. We're talking about lies that are absolutely embedded and ingrained and the way women are attacked at the core of their beings in terms of their value. You know, they've got to compare themselves with something in order to see how they match, and they're always going to come up short. That's the way it's designed mm-hmm. because that will fuel, you know, consumerism and everything else. Well, and, and going back to that, the, the legalism, I, I think even, you know, as we are talking about holiness and we get caught up into the, what the rules are. So you can't help then to look at legalism. And I, and I, like I said earlier, just in the last couple of weeks, having conversation with people who are not Christ followers are they're seeing Christians and going, I don't want what you're having because it is all about the rules. It is all about the religion. And it, it's as if all they see is that you guys are, are bigots, you're, you're, you're gay bashers, you're, um, you know, the, the list can go on. It's like, I'm a good person. And yet, how could a loving God send me to hell? And that, that is where we really have to look at and go, what are we doing wrong that, they don't even want <laughs> And that question, what are we doing wrong, implies a, a form of legalism. It implies yes. a standard by which to judge yourself, right? Yes. So there's something inherently wrong with the question. Mm. And here, here's, here's where we go. So if you have any definition of holiness that has any fundamental association with sin, your definition of holiness is wrong. Hmm. Okay, say that again and expand on that. If you have any definition of holiness that fundamentally has anything to do with sin whatsoever, okay. then your definition of holiness is wrong. Okay. And that, and, that okay. Is why, and that is why they're looking at you going, all you do, it's all of these wrong things, all of these, you can't do this, you can't do that, and you're out here bashing, you're judging, you're not loving, because we yeah. have to so, so how do we understand holiness if it has nothing to do with sin? And here's where, you, here's where you have to begin the conversation. We know that time, space, and matter is a created order. It's something that God created, right? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So it didn't exist at one point, correct? Right. So whatever existed before time, space, and matter, before all of this that we are looking out at, whatever existed before that created all of this. You follow? Mm-hmm. So what was before? What was before any time, space, and matter? God. Yeah. And what kind of God is this? What, what does God look like before time, space, and matter? Perfect. Holy, good. I oh, mean, oh, wait, 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 wait. Was is there any sin? Is this trick? <laughs> okay. Was there any sin? No. Was he holy? Absolutely. Okay. See, you have a problem. If God was holy before there was any sin, then holiness is not defined by sin at all. Okay, I love the trails you take and how you think. Do you just, it's like even reading your books, I, I, you have to read them slowly because your imagery and your thought process, because it takes you to a place that you don't normally go, which is why we so love talking with you and reading your books, because we don't take time as people, like even this trail you just, you know, this journey you just took us down, we don't take time as people to sit and go, what do I really think? And go, where does this lead? Where, where did that lead? And where did that go? And that's what's so good about things and having these conversations like that. And they're absolutely essential because if you, if you define holiness as related to sin, then you've defined it on the other side of our broken. You've said, okay, here's where we're going to define holiness after everything is all messed up. Therefore, we're going to define it in terms of sin, because that's where everything's all messed up. But you can't. God was holy before there was any sin, which means whatever holiness really is then has got nothing to do with sin. And therefore, fundamentally, it still has nothing to do with sin, because it it draws its very definition from a time in which there was not. So now the question is, so exactly what is holiness? if it has nothing to do with sin, right? Mm-hmm. So is, is holiness just denying yourself? No. And... Actually, that's Gnosticism, is denying yourself. And, and, and we as Christians, we love, we love to bash New Agers, and we are as implicitly as much New Ager in the same sense as we're bashing that we think we are bashing. So when we say self-denial, we think that that's a holy thing. Mm-hmm. No. What do you have inside the relationship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before there's any space, time, and matter? Do you have self-denial? No, you have self-giving. If you deny the self, you are reducing what is there to give. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what you have inside the relationship of God is other-centered, self-giving love. Well, Paul, we're going to have to stop right here. We're going to have to take a break. We're going to come back. Let's keep talking about this self-giving love and and just the definition and defining holiness because it is a paradigm shift for so many of us. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with author William Paul Young.
Jess is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Have you ever wondered why America is facing such a health care crisis? Then join us for Dr. Peter DeVette Live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. He'll answer your health care and medical questions and share with you his knowledge and opinions on topics ranging from holistic health care to spirituality and wellness. You'll find out about the roots of your health care challenges versus symptom management, the holistic approach, how the spirit, mind, and body connection is critical in both the development of illness and the solution to illness, how emotions are directly related to physical illness and how to read your body like a book. Dr. DeVette will also go through your personal questions and how you can navigate through the illness maze. Supplements, medications, therapies, treatment options, surgeries, all kinds of things related to your health. Dr. Peter DeVent live every weekday at 1 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we want to welcome back William Paul Young, author of Crossroads, his new book that just came out last month. And we're having a conversation, um, basically it sums up, we're talking about holiness, and many times we just plain get God wrong. So uh, going back into that, that conversation, we had to cut you off, Paul, but if you wouldn't <laughs> finishing that thought. <laughs> yes. And, okay. So, and here's the deal. Where you define your terms from becomes incredibly important. If you define them before there is any time, space, and matter, you've got something that has substance, something that actually will make sense. So what is holy actually means other, right? It means to be other than. And what makes God other than anything? Well, when you begin to look at it, it is the way God loves. It is this other-centered, self-giving love. And this is why I'm so strong on the whole idea of three persons who share one essence. Because if you have Plato's God, where you only have God in isolation, an indivisible one, then you have no basis for love or relationship. But you don't here. You have three persons. And they're constantly inside of a dance. The early church had a word for it. It was called perichoresis. And that word is where we get the word choreography from. And in choreography, the idea is to make space or room for the other. So this is the way God loves. God is constantly making space and room for the other. 
and it and it becomes this huge violation of our legalism because we've defined holiness in terms of sin instead of other-centered, self-giving love. So when it says, be holy, the whole context of that entire section is about loving. And if you look at, you know, the, the passages about holiness, they're embedded inside this other-centered, self-giving love. But we hear standard of performance. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you hear that, you're going to lose. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose because it requires perfection. The law always requires perfection. And any deviation from perfection will expose failure and shame. Mm-hmm. And you're back to the same old, same old. You're back to a religious performance system in which you then earn the affection of God. Rather than, hey, what if you learn to love because of the, the way God loves from within you? So let me give you a, um, a statement from Jesus and an image from Jesus. And that is, the statement is this. I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it, right? Mm -hmm. He said it more than once. Mm -hmm. I don't do anything, I don't say anything unless I hear the Father say it. I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. Well, there's one time you've got a room full of guys who are, uh, it's a room full of agendas. Everybody's mad at each other. Everybody is on their own self-centered kick. And what does Jesus do? He goes over and he picks up a basin of water. And he kneels down in front of every one of those persons, and he washes their feet. Hmm. But wait, what did he say? I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. Mm-hmm. Right? That is a huge violation of some of our religious sentimentality that has God, the Father, being of a different character and nature than the Son. And... And this is a God full of other-centered, self-giving love. So it is, it is the way we love that marks holiness, not the way we perform. It's not an external system of standards, because that didn't exist mm-hmm. before we made choices for independence. And so it's not the marker now. It's still, are we going to choose to forgive? Are we going to choose to love or not? Are we going to choose to lay down our life? Are we going to choose to be kind? Are we going to choose to change the diaper? Are we going to choose to cook the meal? Are we going to choose to not grumble? You know, all the different ways that that we can love one another then become front and center. Now, that's something that I can live inside as part of a journey and an adventure, not this external system of performance. Therefore, my holiness is to tell you that you're not holy. Give me that job, you know? Well, obviously, the Holy Spirit doesn't seem very good at it because, you know, Holy Spirit's supposed to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Obviously not good at it, so obviously needs my help. So let's define holiness in in terms of telling other people how wrong they are. You know, Mm -hmm. convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The the point is, not our job. Mm -hmm. We're not just not good at it. We're not very loving at it. Absolutely. loving is what holiness is. Well, and you know, even taking this, because you're absolutely, you're, you're, you know, you're spot on, but we find too, so many times as women, we can't even love ourselves. And you're talking about this radical love of Jesus that if we truly embraced and, and we chose to embrace it and we lived according to, like you said, loving others and loving God and not about performance or, you know, our measurement of success. How do we, how do you, what would you tell women 
that are sitting there going, I can tell others how much God loves them, but I have a hard time receiving that love for myself because I don't feel worthy because I, it's, it's a paradigm shift. And we have to start that dialogue. That's what Patty and I say. We have to start that dialogue with women to go, you are loved and lovable because women, they struggle with that. So how do we personalize that for people taking that love of God? Boy, and you know, that's such an individual journey in some respects. It is so a response to what are the particular lies and why do they exist inside your own heart? Right. You know, why does that lie have such power and dominance? I mean, what are you believing that is, you know, fundamentally not true? When you look at the billboard, do you believe the billboard? I mean, is that telling you about your value? When you, um, when you look in the mirror, do you see an exclamation point or do you see a question mark? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And why? Why? So at some point, you know, every empty imagination and every lie has to be torn down. But that's going to happen inside the confluence of relationships. That's why we're in each other's lives, to tell each other the truth. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to the issue for uh, women, a lot of, a lot of uh, our theology has been created by men to keep women in this position of failure. It just has. And, and it's been there since the very beginning. You know, for the, the story of Eden, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. But one of the ways to look at it is you have God and the woman against Satan and the man. And it's been that way through, through religious traditions throughout history. It's been God and the woman opposed to Satan and the man. And, uh, and that continues. And so a lot of our theology is based on that inherent conflict that, that exists between the genders. And so, you know, we've added to it. Mm-hmm. And men, men fundamentally are they're more damaged than women are. There's just no question about it. I just love how you just, you, you pose so many great thoughts and questions. One of the things in your, your character in, in your new book, Crossroads, Tony, um, you know, without giving things away, there's the issue of regrets. And I think for so many people, you know, we, can, we all look back and go, ooh, I wish I didn't do that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. Or I wish I would have said that. And, and so it's easy to get caught up in the regrets of what was. And allowing those regrets, whether they're failures or, or, you know, unmet expectations, whatever, to define us, instead of giving, getting past those regrets to where redemption lies and where God does transform and he does heal and there is hope. Can you address that whole issue of just regrets? Yeah, that's a big one. You know, it's almost a harder one to deal with than forgiveness in some respects. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, regrets continue. They, they are part of the way that we then look at history, and, and rightfully so. You know, I've got people ask me, you know, if you knew what you knew today, you know, you wrote a book and it's gone all this, done this huge thing in the world and all this, and knowing what you know now, would you go back and change the, you know, decisions that you made throughout your life, knowing that this is where it would end up? And I say, absolutely, you bet. Mm-hmm. I'd go back and not hurt every single person I hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't care where it ended up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, because it was wrong, and, the, mm-hmm. and I so I have regrets in that sense. The thing that we end up going back to again, and and you're going to find me kind of circling this word over and over and over and over, and that is the word trust. Mm-hmm. I can't, I can't go back and take back and and change the things that happened. Somehow, 
God's ability to redeem things and to reconcile and what forgiveness really is and what justice really is, somehow, not only is an, is an, um, a declaration, this was wrong, it is also a reformation of that so that it becomes something that is, becomes a building block for something that couldn't have been otherwise. And let me use uh, an example from the shack uh, to illustrate. There is a mistake in the shack. Um, there is a scene in which Mackenzie goes back into the shack and he looks to the place where Missy's blood stain should be and it's not there. That was a mistake. And I didn't know it until after I, you know, the book was out. And <clears throat> it should still be there. And the reason it should still be there is just because you work through your stuff doesn't mean the evidence of it disappears, right? There are still nail scars on Jesus' wrist. Mm-hmm. But here's, and, and I try to do this in crossroads in terms of one of the conversations regarding this, is that the miracle is, is that God can climb into something so devastating, like the choices that we've made, and can begin to grow something in that which we killed, that which we hurt, that which we damaged and begin to find a way to heal it. Not, not as a point of condemnation, but this is what love does. And, um, and, you know, for example, why would a cross, which is a, one of the most evil torture machines ever devised by the human race mm-hmm. uh, to perpetrate on one another, why would that ever become something precious to anyone? But mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. And that's because Jesus climbed onto it, because mm-hmm. Jesus was embedded into it. And somehow he turned this horrible thing that human beings have done, and he restored it as an icon and a monument of something that has become absolutely stunning and beautiful. See, only God can do that. So in terms of our regrets, only God can climb into the middle of those things that we've done and begin to build something out of them. He is never the author of the evil that we have perpetrated, but he is definitely the author and the creator of the beautiful things that he can construct out of what we brought to the table, which which marks his incredible respect for us. I love that. And with that thought, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I love ending on something beautiful and where God climbs into our world and he does transform. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll be wrapping up our time with author and our good friend, William Paul Young. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Uh-huh. 
Do you ever feel like you're the invisible woman? Too polite to be political, too nice to be real, tame even though you really want to be unleashed, like you're living in a fairy tale without the happy ending. Well, Cinderella has left the ball, and it's time to wake up and break up with our own self-imposed glass slippers and ceilings. Welcome to Le Chic Speak, the polite woman's guide to self-expression, with your host, Jen Duchenne. Le Chic Speak is the Woohoo Radio Network's resident radio show dedicated to helping women turn on their power and turn up the volume of their voices so you can be seen, heard, appreciated, and celebrated. Join us on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Central Standard Time for your weekly dose of Le Chic Speak with your host, Jen Duchenne, only here on the Woohoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we are back talking with Paul Young, author of the international bestseller, The Shack, and he has a new book out called Crossroads. And Paul, you always have a way with your words and thoughts that help us experience God in, in a new way. And this, this show has just been great in, in just peeling back those, those layers of questions. But we have to go into your new book that deals with choices, regrets, and redemption. Um, what do you want, what do you personally want your readers to walk away with um, after reading this book? You know, um, I get asked that quite a bit. And and it goes back to not being an agenda-driven writer. I'm <clears throat> when I'm writing a book, I'm not, you know, I'm thinking about my kids and my friends, but I'm not thinking anything beyond that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, you don't do that to a friend. You don't set them up to try to get them somewhere. You you have a conversation, and what you bring to the table opens up more space. And so that's that's what I hope. I'm my desire is that when somebody reads the Shack or Crossroads, they will find themselves in bigger space and with an ability to hear for themselves. Because I, I don't presume upon the journey that a particular person is on. And therefore, you know, the Holy Spirit is free to do uh, what the Holy Spirit does as a redeeming genius inside the world of whoever is in front of me, and um, even in a sense of a reader somewhere. So, you know, that there are certain themes that will be there, like... You as an individual, you actually matter. The choices that you make actually change the whole universe. The simple things, the changing of the diaper, the cooking of the meal, the cleaning of the, um, of the uh, dishwasher, the, the um, going to pick up groceries and picking up the kids and putting an arm around a, a child who is hurt. And I, I mean, it's, it's down to the ordinariness of life. That's, that's where holiness dwells because it is other-centered and self-giving. And so, um, you know, I, I hope people hear there is a God who is good all the time, who is pursuing you with relentless affection, and who can be a consuming fire, because that's what the love of a parent is. When you have a child who is hurt or damaged by a lie or um, by some physical illness or an addiction, you want to be the fire that can go inside 
the soul of the one you love and burn it out. And that's the way God is. If you, being broken, know how to agape, that's God's kind of other-centered, self-giving love, agape your children, how much more the Heavenly Father. So, you know, we're not talking about, when you, when you deal with legalism, you're talking about retributive, punitive power. And um, I don't believe that God is either of those two. I believe he is always intent to restore because of this relentless affection that he has towards you. You are, a, are someone who is the center of everything for God, and you matter. It's, it's interesting when you, uh, you talked earlier about, you know, the New Agers and so many times, you know, as Christians, some of the words that you're using, it can frighten us. And yet that is um, when you're, you're talking about just love. That is truly what it is all about, and it's so hard for us to comprehend that because we want to put, we want to put things in a box. We want to know what do we need to do to live the right way. How do we follow? Yeah, well, you know, we all become like the God we believe in. So, and I think that's why a lot of New Agers are a lot kinder than a lot of Christians are. Mm-hmm. You know, because they have a God who's much more loving, mm-hmm. and um, and you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where. It doesn't become about us and them. <clears throat> Either creation was created inside of Jesus, and everything is by, for, through, and in him, or somehow he spun it out, and then there's those who are outside and those who are inside. As far as I'm concerned, even the old Adam is created inside Jesus, and, and we were found in Jesus way before we were ever lost in Adam. And uh, so it's the lies that keep us from experiencing the reality of what we've already been included into. This is not so much about asking Jesus into our hearts. It's about beginning to understand that he included us into his, mm. and, and we share in that affection with the Father and in, in that relationship with the Holy Spirit. Well, we are going into two conferences um, next month, uh, one in Texas, uh, actually helping women to go into the strip clubs, as well as another one in, in Florida. We're doing a, a training. And this show, I mean, just your words will really have an impact on how we carry on into um, these the, the, the trainings. Well, and love a couple of words. One one word you use in your book and, and just in your dialogue is participating with God. You know, just being about participating with Him and joining Him. And I love how you're talking about the lies, the lies that we believe. And I think if we would each one of us sit down and go, What lie have I absorbed into my life that I have been living as truth that is not the truth that God wants me to live? And what is the truth that God wants me to believe and therefore respond and participate with him in that truth? And I think that is a good, I love how you've just kind of talked about that because that's really the conversations. And, and it does go down to that, that relentless pursuing love of God that he brings us, he includes us. And that is something so hard for our minds to wrap around. And that's one of the reasons like you're writing, um, the shack and even crossroads had to read it slowly because you do take us to a place, um, that you don't normally go. And you create this imagery that is beyond where Jesus and the love of God, the father, Papa God, and all of that is so much more tangible and real. And you, you just take us to a place and really kind of is a sacred place. You take us where we can have this personal experience with God. And so just appreciate the way you, you obviously have a gift that God has given you in writing and using your words and love how you've given that back to him for, that he multiplies and uses in ways that you will never understand and love that. Um, so just just appreciate you so much with that. And then Thank all that- you. 
Thank you. I'm thrilled to participate. You know what you might do at one of these conferences, just out of curiosity, get two huge mirrors, put them on stage, put a question mark on one, put an exclamation mark on the other, and then just be silent and just watch what happens to the women. Mm. Mm. Love that. Have you seen that done? Have you seen that done? Nope. That is an interesting that would be an interesting um, exercise. We're going to have to we're gonna have to do that, and we'll let you know how that goes. That's I, that is Please really do. interesting. That even for us to think about personally, you know, so we experience it personally before we even put it out there with women. It would kill Lisa because she has to. She likes noise. She doesn't like pauses. <laughs> <laughs> to be still, and let yeah, and right make there. sure it's a full length mirror. Yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. That that's a good one. Um, We want to ask you just a question. We make sure we get this in before we lose time. How do you define yourself? That is a question, you know, Patty and I have asked each other. And and as women and as people, we don't really think about really what defines us. How would you, if somebody asked you, what defines you? How do you answer that? A child. I define myself as a child who is based inside the affection of three. Hmm. Three that know me the best and love me the most. And, um, and that's it. It's as simple as that. This has to work for children. Mm-hmm. You're, you're absolutely and right. And we make it so complicated as adults and, and as believers. And one of the things I loved in your book, you said, um, and I, I hope I'm not misquoting you, which I'm very capable of, um, <laughs> uh, that b- the word believer is an activity. It's not a category. And, Correct. It's an activity. And, and just being and a we, believer. We are so used to categorizing everybody, and then we can X the entire category out. Well, mm-hmm. he's just this. Well, he's just that. Nobody is just anything. We're, we're much too incredibly created and woven and too intricately made to be just a category. And believer is an activity. I don't know one person who isn't on a journey between belief and unbelief, and nobody has the meter that says, well, you've reached 33%, therefore you're in Mm-hmm. We've got to stop thinking in categorical terms and begin to love in relational terms. See, it, it's those things that you say that are very simple, but yet when I read that, it really I had to stop and think about that because you're, you're absolutely right. We, we categorize everything because I think that's how our human brains, we can wrap it. We need to frame something. We need to categorize it so we can better understand it. But what one of the things that you do so well is you create that, that imagery where we, you have to just stop and think and, and ask more questions. Like, your questions lead to more questions, which is what we love. Um, and exactly. And God's not afraid of giving any of them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'll, okay, we have, we have just two minutes until we're done. Again... We are just honored and grateful for your time. And I know you're rushing right out in a few minutes ago. Join Glenn Beck. So give our regards to Glenn from Patty and Lisa. He'll know who you're. But uh, what, how can people find you? And we we do. We want to just encourage um, our listeners out there to go read this book. You will not be disappointed. It will mark you. And what a great time of the year to read it first thing and let it kind of ruminate and kind of set the tone for for your year and even your life. But how can how can um, the listeners find you and read more? Um, and- easiest easiest way is to go to wmpaulyoung.com. 
and uh, it'll connect you to Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of social media stuff. And um, um, on there, you'll see, uh, you know, Crossroads, the shack. You'll also see the shack revisited by Baxter Kruger, which is a beautiful theological storytelling presentation of the book. Um, the Shack Reflections, which is sort of a daily reflection thing, journal, whatever. And, um, and so there's a bunch of stuff on there and you'll, and it connects to media and you can just explore for a bit. And I write stuff on there periodically. I've got a blog there right now, sort of a, a beginning of the year response to what's happened in Connecticut and Clackamas, Oregon and some of the other things that are going on. So yeah, find it there. Always love following you, just hearing, you know, what, what's going on next. Um, is Okay, really quick, is, is there another book in the making? or uh, You know, I'm, I've always got like six or seven things stirring around. So, you know, it's just timing. I'm not very disciplined. So, and, you know, when the time is right, it'll be there. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Because, you know, discipline is overrated, I think, a lot of times. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you know, self-discipline is not a fruit of the spirit. Exactly. I love that. Again, thank you for causing us to think differently. Thank you for stinging us a little bit. Thank you for stirring the pot, for um, creating that open space uh, to allow us to think, to allow us to see God work, um, challenge us to participate with God, um, challenging us to look at the lies that we believe and see beyond. It is truly an honor, and it's an honor to call you friend. And as you would say, may grace and kindness constantly catch you by surprise and Love how you use your words and um, living in the moment for the day and for grace. So thank you again, Paul, for joining us. We appreciate you more than you know. Thank you, dear, and thanks for the honor of being with you. Love you much. Love you too, and enjoy going back. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Have a great day. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.